You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. Have you been naughty or nice? Happy holidays, everybody. I hope you're having a good winter break. I hope you're having a great Christmas, if Christmas is your thing, or a great Hanukkah, or whatever else, whatever your thing is. I hope you're having a good one. We release these shows on Tuesdays, and this year Christmas Eve happens to fall on Tuesday. And this particular Tuesday happens to fall right in the middle of Hanukkah. So lots of you out there probably won't even be listening to today's episode until later in the week, maybe on the drive or flight back home. But some of you are listening right now on Christmas Eve, the day the show came out. Some of you are listening right now because you're alone and you'll want to check out the opening of last year's Christmas week show for my advice on getting through Christmas alone. But some of you are listening right now in a room full of people who make you feel alone, make you feel disrespected, judged, shamed. And to keep the peace, to avoid being accused of ruining Christmas, you grin and bear it and count the minutes and pop in your earbuds to listen to a few podcasts. I want to let those of you who are listening right now know, whether you're alone or alone in a room full of people, that I'm thinking about you and I'm rooting for you. And I know you can get through this because you've gotten through it before. And if what you're getting at quote unquote home right now is why can't you be different? Why must you be different? Or some variation on you aren't good enough or why can't you change? And if that's why you're listening right now to escape all that, I want to let you know that you don't have to be different. You don't have to change. You just have to be you. But you can change things. Home is a choice. Family too. If you can't find people back quote unquote home who celebrate your sexual orientation, respect your gender identity, if you can't find people there who embrace your choice of a partner singular or partners plural or your choice not to have a partner at all, that's not your home. And you don't have to return there next year. If today's podcast is helping you get through a shitty holiday, all of us, Nancy, the tech savvy at risk youth, the callers, the commenters, all of us are glad we could make your day a little better, if only for an hour or two. But I want you to think about how you can make it better for yourself next year, this time next year. Not by being different, not by changing, but by making different choices, by making changes. So that next year, You'll be one of those people who didn't get to listen to this week's show right away because you were too busy, because you were surrounded next year by your family of origin, but by your family of choice, by people who love you and whose company you enjoy, your actual family. All right, coming up on today's show, Hannah Bradshaw is here, a researcher, in to discuss for what you got a recent study on why straight women like being served by gay men in department stores. And programming note, the Showtime documentary series Couples Therapy is looking for couples in the greater New York City area to participate in a new season. Check out the first season on Showtime and then go to CouplesTherapyDocumentary.com to learn more and apply. 
This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get $60 off at blueapron.com slash savage. This episode of the Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is sponsored by OMG Yes, videos that explore new ways to increase sexual pleasure based on new scientific research. Get a discount on the new second season at omgyes.com slash savage. That's omgyes.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Um, my question is that I decided I wanted to have a threesome by the time I turned 40 with two men. So boy, boy, girl threesome. And I'm just wondering how I should go about doing that. Uh, I'm no stranger to dating apps. However, I don't want to put that out there on a dating app. And I am a little trepidatious about like uh, sex communities in in my city. You know, it's a, a city of a million people, but somehow everyone seems to know everybody. And I'm just a little bit timid about um, joining groups in, in that way. But I would like to find open-minded guys and I would like to do it in a way that is as efficient as possible so that I don't have to spend a whole lot of time doing this. And I'm just wondering what your advice might be to cut through the bullshit, get to the heart of the matter, have some great experiences and get on with my life in that way. So yeah, whatever you have to say about that. And um, also I am a little worried about whether or not this is going to be uh, in conflict with my ability to get into romantic, uh, more meaningful emotional relationships in time. And I'm just a little worried that I love the side of me that is a freak, but I also want to have a healthy emotional relationship. So how do I balance those? How do I deal with the ramifications of, of kind of a misinterpretation of of my um, value as a as a woman trying to have an emotional relationship with a man, but being interested in doing freaky shit. Beware the artificial deadline. There's this thing I want to do. I want to do it before I turn 40. You don't mention your age. If you're 28, well, then there's plenty of time and that artificial deadline is so far off in the future that it's not going to create pressure. But if that deadline is three months in the future, then you might, if you really hew to it, if you really get invested in nailing it, you might end up doing something on impulse that isn't advisable. I want to do this by the time I'm 40 and I'm turning 40 in three months and an opportunity might come along, you know, a month before you turn 40 with some people that you feel not great about or there are a couple of little red flags and you ignore them because you're just so invested in doing this before you turn 40. So it's not bad to have it as a benchmark, but don't make it into a serious drop dead kind of deadline because you don't want to find yourself in bed with a couple of sketchy guys. So what do you do? You don't want to get involved in the sex community where you live and whatever the sex positive circles are. Well, there are tons of apps out there for people who are looking for threesomes, for couples looking for thirds, for individuals looking for couples, field yummy, mixer, adult friend finder. Do a little Googling. You'll find your way to the apps. You'll find your way to the reviews and you can post. Now, that requires you to be a little public and some people might in your community in the city of a million people where you live wind up knowing this about you and you kind of get to get comfortable 
with that. Just as I hope and assume that you're comfortable occasionally finding out something about somebody in your social circle, someone in your friend network, that they did a thing and you heard about it. Hopefully not through malicious gossip, but just a fact about them and you don't obsess about it. You don't throw it in their face. You don't spread the gossip yourself maliciously. I promise you, despite your worst fears and anxieties, that most people in your community who may wind up finding this out about you because you had that threesome or you had a few of them or they saw you on a dating app that they were on too aren't going to gossip maliciously about it. Finally, I'm a little concerned about what seems to be this notion of yours, that there is the freak you are sexually and then the person you also are who wants a long-term committed romantic intimate relationship and that these two things are somehow in conflict, that these two impulses are diametrically opposed and cannot be integrated and that is not true. Anyone who had their sexual awakening, I hope, listening to my show would know that's not true, that you can have a long-term, committed, intimate, romantic relationship with someone that you get freaky with, someone who values and appreciates and celebrates the ways in which you're sexually adventurous, the ways in which your sexuality is freaky and wants to be along for that ride, wants to have those adventures with you. Obviously, you should get out there and make it known that you are open to dating by guys because then three ways with two dudes and you doesn't have to be this thing you get out of your system before you have your long-term committed intimate romantic relationship. It can be something that is a part of your long-term committed intimate romantic relationship throughout your life, not every fucking Wednesday, Thursday and Sunday, but an occasional thing that you and your bisexual but heteroromantic long-term partner get to do together. Something that helps cement your bond, a sexual adventure that you two get to go on together every once in a while, where he gets to be with a dude in front of you. You get to be with these two dudes. They both want to pay attention to you too. You get to be a freak, get really freaky on that Saturday night with your husband and some boy toy, some other man to be named later, found on one of these three-way dating apps. And then go home or return to your normal intimate life. And then not go home or return to your normal intimate romantic relationship because you didn't have to end it. You didn't step outside that intimate romantic relationship to have that adventure. It is a part, an intrinsic part of your intimate romantic relationship. Good luck. Hey, Dan. Uh, street mail calling from uh, Western Canada. Uh, with a question about public sex. My question is, I just got my wife a remotely controlled vibrator. I have this fantasy of wanting to have sex outdoors. We live uh, close to the Rocky Mountains and, you know, being up on a mountain and just being out in nature and and going to town is a, a fantasy of mine. And We've been trying to to look at how we can make that happen without impacting other hikers and that sort of thing. I grew up in a really strict Catholic uh, household, and so I'm just starting to kind of come into understanding my sexual life. As you well know, growing up Catholic, there's a lot of repression, and and so just starting to kind of explore aspects of of my of my sexuality and and sexual life 
And so as a kind of foothold to moving forward with this, we kind of thought it would be cool to get this, this remotely controlled vibrator that, uh, that I could use in public. She could wear it and I could control it with my phone. The question is what, what's appropriate. You've talked about public sex a lot and how to go about it, how to navigate, making sure you're not infringing on other people's existence in these public spaces. My question is about these remote controlled devices. If we're in a park or a wooded area or up a mountain or something, that seems okay. But I don't know what the guidelines are for, say, sitting in a restaurant or sitting in a bar uh, something, it's not like I'm going to, you know, hit the remote and make my wife having a screaming orgasm in the middle of a restaurant. But, you know, if someone sees it or sees me controlling the thing, you know, what are the guidelines for being in these public spaces and, and being in, in a restaurant or being in a, a bar or a coffee shop or whatever, where, someone glances over their shoulder and, and, and they see you doing something on your phone, they, they might know that that's a, a sex toy or something. So just looking for a little bit of guidelines on, on how we can do this uh, in an appropriate way. If someone sees you in a restaurant pushing buttons on your phone and then notices your wife shiver, that person is observing the two of you too closely. That person, if they realize that you're using a remote-controlled sex toy, which that person couldn't know for sure, but let's say that they recognize the reality of you pushing buttons on your phone and your wife's shivers, which come immediately after you push those buttons and they put two and two together, that's on them. They're looking too closely. They're scrutinizing other people too closely. They are not minding their own goddamn business. So feel free to sit in a restaurant with your wife and enjoy this, what I call and have written a lot about, you can Google Savage Love and the phrase secret perving and when secret perving is permissible and when secret perving is not permissible. And it's permissible when it's basically undetectable. If other people aren't being bothered, you know, if you're going to have public sex, okay, you're going to have public sex in the middle of a busy street or in the middle of a park full of people, probably not okay. You're going to have public sex on a mountain, after hiking for hours and hours and not seeing people for a while, you can go ahead and do that. If another hiker comes along, you know what? They're hiking along. They might run across two deer or two bear or a couple of otters fucking. When you're out in public, in the world, in a place, even out in the woods where animals and humans are animals have a reasonable expectation of privacy, you might encounter animals, bears, deers, otters, humans, seizing the moment, seizing that opportunity to fuck. And that is a risk of going out in the world. You want people to be considerate. And if there are lots of people around or it's a place you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy, it is not okay to initiate sexual activity. But after a long day's hiking, you haven't seen anybody for a couple of hours and you don't hear anybody else coming along the trail and you're going to knock one out in 15 minutes, fucking go for it. Leave the trail. Get like 10 feet off the trail and fucking go for it. If you hear somebody coming, if you hear a twig break, pull your pants up. And don't worry about it. Same thing with this remote-controlled vibrator. That sounds really fun and exciting and something for you and your wife to share and a, a real adventure. And people do this sort of stuff all the time. The guy goes out to dinner with his wife and he's wearing her panties and he's all turned on 
because he's out in public and nobody knows and he's secretly perving on it. The foot fetishist who works in the shoe store who is able to control himself and nobody's the wiser, but he can go home at the end of the day and furiously masturbate about all the feet he saw. Secret perving. And it's fine. You and your wife out in public and you on your phone and your wife shivering a little bit. I would look at that and think dude's on his phone and his wife has a cold. I wouldn't look at that and think there must be a remote controlled sex toy device in this room, probably her panties somewhere. And I'm offended. And if someone did look at that and they were offended, that person was out in the world looking for things to get offended about. And you did them a favor. Enjoy. Cooking isn't just about filling your belly. It's about filling your soul. It's about creating and sharing delicious meals with family and friends. So cook something worth celebrating this holiday season with a little help from Blue Apron. Blue Apron offers flexible meal options with an ever-changing mix of meat, fish, plant-forward, and vegetarian recipes. Choose from a variety of chef-designed recipes and get perfectly portioned ingredients delivered right to your door. Blue Apron helps me disconnect from my phone, discover my inner chef, and learn new recipes and techniques. Thanks to Blue Apron, I kind of now love to cook because Blue Apron makes it easy and Blue Apron has exposed me to delicious recipes I wouldn't ever in my entire life have thought to or risked trying. I had never cooked with za'atar before, but I am definitely going to try their za'atar chicken and farro salad they're offering this week, as well as their panko-crusted cod with purple potatoes. So bring back the magic of your kitchen, learn new skills, show yourself and show your friends and family what you can do and make and enjoy a home-cooked meal. Check out this week's menu and get $60 off when you visit blueapron.com slash savage. That's blueapron.com slash savage. Blue Apron, cook more. All right, we're going to take a quick break from your calls because every once in a while we like to invite researchers or scientists onto the show to share with us the results of a new scientific study that they published for a little segment we call What You Got. Joining us for this What You Got, Hannah Bradshaw, a PhD candidate in experimental psychology at Texas Christian University. She researches women's social relationships and consumer preferences and behavior. Hey, Hannah, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I felt like calling you Dr. Bradshaw just in advance of you getting your PhD because I'm so confident you will. Um, Oh, I thank you. So you have a new study out. I have no idea what it is. What do you got? Okay, so I want to preface this by saying that the the first author on this is Eric Russell, so I want to give credit where credit is due. So uh, Eric Russell's been doing a lot of research, and I have been fortunate enough to uh, been brought in on this project. And his research uh, focuses on these interesting relationships that we find um, in modern culture and across time um, about friendships between gay men and straight women. So the particular study that we're talking about uh, today is called Intersexual Female Competition and Female Trust in Gay Male Sales Associates Recommendations. So there's a a trope, I guess, in popular culture that uh, women like working with gay men in retail settings, but this hasn't really been studied yet. So this is what we did here. So there are four studies in this package. Uh, The first one is qualitative. So it looks at the attributes that women tend to associate with uh, gay male retail sales associates. So it finds that women view these uh, gay men as being very trustworthy. They like working with them. Um, And then the 
third set of studies, uh, the following three studies, finds that women like working with gay male sales associates, particularly when they think that they're going to be an appearance-related competition with a female sales associate. And the second study finds that... Wait, 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 slow down. So so an an appearance-related competition with a female sales associate. They prefer working with a gay man over a female sales associate because they might feel like they're competing with that woman? Yes. So they might feel uh, bad uh, if they think that the woman might be judging them is kind of the idea here. Oh, okay. Because Lord knows no one's ever been judged by a gay dude. Please go on. <laughs> yes, indeed, right? But I, I guess it's better um, is what it, it finds. So it's, <laughs> it's people feel less bad when they're being judged by a gay man because the idea here is that they're going to give you more trustworthy advice because they're not trying to undermine you. So suddenly they undermine you. Suddenly the idea here is a, a woman who's shopping at Nordstrom's and if it's a female sales associate, they might feel that you know they're not getting the best advice from her because she doesn't want to make them look too good because they're in competition for the same scarce resource dick. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, are you sure you haven't read this study? <laughs> because that's like particularly... Uh, yeah, no, that's exactly what they find. So um, the that's second crazy. study. That's crazy. That's crazy. I know, right? <laughs> so the third one finds that women prefer to work with uh, gay male sales associates over uh, heterosexual female and heterosexual male uh, sales associates, and that they particularly trust gay male sales associates' recommendations when it comes to appearance products. So not products that can't be used to uh, enhance appearance. So things like vacuum cleaners, uh, people don't show this differential um, desire to trust gay male sales associates. And do you think this might have just something to do with the kind of the the stereotype that, you know, I disprove, but other gay men seem to prove or embrace that we're more stylish, more fashion forward, that, you know, we know better about hair and dresses and color than uh, the average person, even the average straight person. Is it just tapping into that stereotype or is it really all about this fear that, you know, a woman sales associate might not have your best interests at heart in case you end up in the same club that same weekend in the same dress chasing the same guy? I'm really glad that you asked that because that's exactly what uh, we find. So it's not that they're uh, perceived to be like more fashion forward or more fashion savvy. It's particularly that uh, women perceive gay men to have better uh, positive intentions and that they therefore trust their product recommendations. So have you done, have you or uh, Eric Russell, the lead author on the study, considered flipping this study on its head and seeing who gay men are more comfortable shopping, you know, taking shopping tips and advice from? Because that competition for that scarce resource deck would exist between two gay men. The gay man looking for the best assless chaps, the gay man selling the assless chaps. (laughs) They're both going to be out in the leather bar on Friday night chasing the same top. Like if this is true, if of women that women prefer to get advice from gay men because they they're not competitors, you know the gay the guys the gay guys are going to go after aren't guys you're going to want to go after and vice versa. It seems like the reverse would be true that that, that gay men would rather get you know assistance in a yeah. Nordstrom's from a woman than from a, a man, a gay man. So we haven't uh, particularly looked at that in retail settings, but Eric has previous research that does indeed find that gay men perceive straight women to provide more trustworthy mating advice. <laughs> so I would 
right? Isn't that so cool? Are we all terrified of our friends? Does this apply to our friends too? Like if you go to, you know, you're a gay man and you need relationship advice, you go to another gay man, you can't trust what he's going to tell you because maybe he's trying to sabotage your relationship because he wants all the dick in the world. And if you're a straight woman, you can't go to your straight female friends for the same reason, or you might be less likely to or trust their advice less because you're always suspicious of their motives. Is that competitive instinct really so strong that it it really affects our feelings for people that we see ourselves in competition with, even if we're not really in competition with them? I I think so. I mean, the, the effect sizes aren't, uh, it's not going to be true for everyone all of the time. But on average, um, I think that this tendency exists. So even if we might not be readily aware of it, we are in competition with other people, um, specifically for when it comes to mates. And yeah, I think it can influence our relationship. I wonder with our if it's friends. A, a, instinctual or kind of a default reflexive setting. Because, you know, when you go to your gay friends for advice and you, about your gay relationship or your straight female friends for advice about your straight relationship, you may know that, you know, they're partnered, that they've never been interested in somebody that you're interested in, that your type isn't their type. So you'd never really be in competition. But I wonder if this is just so deeply ingrained that you're going to react to anybody who's you know, seeking your same sexual target uh, as if they were, even if you kind of know in your non-reptile brain that they aren't. Yeah, I would say that the reptile brain is very, very, uh, it, it plays a huge role in our behavior, even if we're not aware of it. I, I would say that this is how things tend to play out, even though we might not want them to play out that way, but I think it does influence our behavior in ways that we're not directly aware of. So after you gave the title of the study, I Googled it and, and found my way to it. Uh, usually we save the title for the end, uh, but... Oh, it, my bad. No, 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 we're, no, no, no worries. Intersexual Female Competition and Female Trust in Gay Male Sales Associates, Recommendations. You can read it in Research and Marketing. Uh, anybody out there who wants to read the study. I'm looking at the abstract right now, and, he, and in the conclusion, the findings suggest that retailers should hire a diverse workforce no, retailers should fire everybody except for gay men, right? Because it's mostly women who buy clothes. Well, that would be discriminatory, right? We, we can't tell people it's not okay to hire people based on um, sexual orientation. Or their gender. Yeah, but the research finds that um, gay men are still being, uh, they, they face discrimination in the workforce. They face discrimination in hiring, even though our society has advanced. So you're not so, suggesting that... You know, all retailers fire all their straight female sales associates and just hire troops of gay men. You're suggesting to retailers or employers who might not like gay men or have hired gay men or promoted gay men that they are hurting their own bottom lines. Indeed, indeed. So it's good to be inclusive. And if you're inclusive, you might actually help yourself. And you need some straight female sales associates to sell assless chaps to the gay dudes who wander into Nordstrom, too. Exactly. I don't even know if they sell those there, but that would be that would be a thing. <laughs> Hannah Bradshaw, PhD candidate in experimental psychology at TCU, where she researches women's social relationships and consumer preferences and behavior. Thank you so much for jumping on the phone for what you got. Really appreciate it. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. Have a great day. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. They make it simple and intuitive to create your website, blog, or online store. Let's say you're just getting started with a new political group or an embroidery meetup or a Balkan band. You're going to need your own website, which sounds like a lot of work, but you can build it yourself with Squarespace's all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. They have templates that were created by clever designers that you can just drop in and it looks good right away. 
You can collaborate with other members of your group and turn your website into a group project. Drop in some video or audio, pretty much anything you could possibly need is right there waiting for you. And once your website's done, you can get on with your life. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com savage and use the offer code savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a 26-year-old bisexual female wondering if I should stay in this relationship that I've been in for the last four years. I've been with my boyfriend um, in a monogamous relationship, and he's very sweet, caring, kind, attentive. We're very compatible in a lot of ways, but... I keep coming back to this feeling like there's something missing. And I think a large part of that is that he's very stereotypically male in the sense that he's very out of touch with his emotions and has an extremely hard time connecting on a deep emotional level, especially on his part. He's understanding, but if it has to do with anything that affects him, he will just kind of shut down. So we recently were traveling away from home. I got a travel assignment as a nurse. And so I was working away from home for the last nine months and he came with me. And in those nine months, we were very isolated. I tried making friends and creating a little bit of a community for myself. But with such a short term uh, assignment, we were very isolated. And when it was just me and him, I'll be honest, I was pretty miserable. I felt like this void was in between our relationship and I was desperately trying to find a way to make it better. I really uh, wanted to open up the relationship as well to try polyamory just so that I could feel like I was getting more of my needs met. So fast forward to now, we've moved back home and with my family and friends around, this whole issue seems a lot less important. I feel very connected to my friends and family, but it makes me uncomfortable to think that we can change our location geographically and then suddenly this problem, we just don't talk about it anymore. So what do you think, Dan? Is this somebody that I should be continuing to work for? Should I know that already by now after four years? Or... Should I be out there looking for another partner who might meet more of my needs or is at least open to opening the relationship if necessary? He's considered therapy, but I don't think seriously. I don't know what to think, and that's not a very satisfying answer. I know, and I apologize. You say this guy is sweet, caring, kind, and that you two are very compatible. You've been together four years. You're 26 years old. So you met him when you were 22. And when you're somewhere where you have a your family's around and you have a solid friendship network, you're perfectly content in this relationship because you have emotional needs that he doesn't meet. And when you aren't isolated, when it's just not the two of you on a desert island somewhere, this web of relationships and connections and him, that all works for you. And when it's just the two of you alone and you know this, it's particularly now after that nine-month stint nursing wherever it was you were nursing, you know that when it's just the two of you alone, that you're miserable should you end the relationship? Is this evidence that he can't meet your needs? We talk often about how people have unrealistic expectations 
what they're going to get out of their romantic relationship, that they not only want sex and romance and intimacy, they also want this person to be their best friend, their confidant, the person who provides them with you know, a, a sounding board and good career advice, and they just want this person to be their everything. And a person can't be your everything. A lot of us are dissatisfied in our relationships, not because the relationship itself is really in any way deficient. It's just that our expectations are so inflated, so out of whack that there's no relationship that we'd ever be in that wouldn't disappoint us. And often the path to contentment, and sometimes we realize this only after we've thrown a few perfectly decent partners overboard, isn't finding a new partner who meets all of our emotional, social, and sexual needs, but adjusting our expectations and not expecting our partner to give us everything that we need from other people, not one other person, but from other people, from a community of people. So on the one hand, I'm reluctant to tell you to dump this guy for the reasons that you laid out. On the other hand, you've been with him since you were 22 years old. You're 26 years old. You're interested in polyamory. You're interested in opening the relationship. Not, it seems, because you want to have an open relationship or an open relationship is the ideal relationship model for you. But I'm guessing or intuiting that what's going on here is that you kind of want out, you kind of want to get out there and date, you kind of want to be with other people, but you're worried about hurting this guy who's meant so much to you and that you do genuinely love, but that you may have outgrown, not just emotionally, but socially, sexually, that you may be done with this relationship and it was the right relationship for you at a certain time in your life, but it's not the right relationship for you going forward. So ask yourself, is an open relationship, is a non-monogamous relationship, is a polyamorous relationship what you want to be happy? Or is it the patch that you're thinking about slapping on the monogamous relationship that you're in now because it doesn't make you happy? Poly as a patch doesn't work. Open as a patch doesn't work. And if that's what's going on here, you should end it and end it honestly, not enter into negotiations about opening the relationship when what you want is out. There's a lot of women out there who want out but have a hard time articulating that because a lot of women out there have a really hard time owning their own wants, their own desires, feeling like they're valid. So I hear you basically sketching out a lot of reasons why a person might want to get out of the relationship that you happen to be in. You're the person in that relationship. If you want out, you should get out. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is sponsored by OMG Yes, a website where you explore the latest science about women's sexual pleasure through fun, honest videos. Get more understanding, more pleasure, and more tools for an even happier relationship. Get a discount on newly released season two at omgyes.com slash savage. That's omgyes.com slash savage. Hey, Dan. I'm a queer woman from the Northwest, and I know how much you love wedding questions. My partner and I have been together for a couple of years and have started talking about marriage, and it's kind of been understood that they would be the one proposing to me because I'm sort of a princess, but it's also been like, okay, well, don't propose to me until you're sure I'm ready and I'm going to say yes kind of a thing. And I guess I'm looking for a cutesy way to signify that I'm ready. Um, and so I thought of this idea of a pre-proposal proposal where I would kind of reenact basically a, a wedding proposal, but with the, instead of the question, will you marry me? I'm going to ask, will you propose to me? Um, obviously not tonight, but like, you know, I'm ready. And 
So my question really is, have you ever heard of that? Is this a thing? I did some Googling and I haven't seen anybody else do anything like that. So um, I'm wondering if maybe there's something I haven't thought of. So I'd be open to feedback from any of your listeners. If um, if this is something that they think would be a good idea or am I sort of stealing their thunder, my partner's thunder by doing the proposal first. And my idea was to take us to like, you know, the first place we met and have this super cute night but I don't, like, if that was their plan for proposing to me, then I don't want to feel that. So also, if you have any other suggestions of, like, fun, cool ways to pop this question, I would love to hear it. I'll always remember the night I asked Terry if he might want to get married. I said, would you want to get married? And he looked at me and said, why the fuck would I want to do that? It was very romantic, our proposal. Anyway, yeah, I'm a little concerned about airing this call. I don't want to kick off another round of cultural insanity and nanity. Somebody had a little gender reveal duck cake and it turned into people setting off bombs and shrapnel flying through the air and killing guests at their gender reveal parties. If we launch the yes, you may propose to me proposal, the pre-proposal proposal from the person who is going to be the one proposed to and that took off. Oh my God. It would be like pre promposal promposals. It, it could metastasize into a cultural phenomenon that winds up with people setting off bombs at their will you propose to me proposal ceremonies. So I'm a little kind of not into this idea. And I do think you getting on one knee, or if you're doing the opposite of a proposal, up on a stepladder, I guess, to propose proposing to the person you want to propose to you, it just is a little bit. I don't know, Escher printy after a while. So I can't endorse this idea. I'm sure we'll get calls about it and we'll run some of them. You'll get some feedback, but I can't endorse this idea. You've only been with your girl. First of all, you've only been dating your girlfriend for two years. It's too soon unless you're planning on having a nice long engagement, but you've already been talking about the idea of marriage and you've made it clear to them that you're the one who would like to be proposed to. So they know that. So when they're ready, they will pop the question. And when they pop the question, it will be more emotionally significant. It'll be more fun for you as the proposee if you haven't just immediately signaled to them that now is the time. So, no. Can't get behind this idea. Seems to come from a place of impatience. You're ready for this proposal. You can mention that casually in passing. You can get a t-shirt that says, I'm ready on it custom made, wear it around the house, sleep in it, hope they get the message, but no pre-posal proposals, please. Hi, Dan. I'm an 18-year-old woman who recently got involved with a 21-year-old man. Before anything physically happened, he revealed to me that he's in slaw. We had a conversation in which he communicated his desire to be celibate for the rest of his life, but two days later, he came on to me and we made out. After that, I told him I didn't want to jeopardize his celibacy, but then again, a week later, he gave me a ride home and we made out. Things progressed, I touched his dick, and he touched me. But now that it's obvious that he is not committed to his vow of celibacy, I just want to have casual sex with him. I think there are several red flags. I don't think he's being totally honest with me or with himself, but I'm very sexually attracted to him. I've enjoyed all the sexual encounters we've had so far, and I just want to have sex. I know this seems like it is a clear answer, but I'm having a hard time hearing it. Can you give me a more nuanced interpretation, help me understand what I'm going through? When someone basically tells you, when, when they shout at you, hey, I'm a deeply conflicted mess sexually, your response shouldn't be, hey, I want to have sex with that person. I want to be naked in a room with this person. 
who is likely to have some sort of personal crisis reaction to breaking his ludicrous vows of celibacy. Obviously, he's interested in breaking and is tiptoeing up to breaking with you. I have been in exactly your position with deeply conflicted, messy closet cases when I was in my early 20s, when I was in my teens. Not guys who'd taken vows of celibacy, but guys who'd taken vows of heterosexuality, who said that they were never going to do these terrible gay things because they weren't gay and they didn't want to be gay. And yet there we would be in cars and they would be grabbing my dick and we would be making out. And then, well, I guess I'm telling you to do as I say, not as I did, because I did have sex with these terribly, deeply conflicted, messy guys occasionally after they came. After they weren't suddenly so horny anymore, the full realization of what they'd just done, and that was me, came crashing over them, and they were upset. And it wasn't fun to be locked in the room with these self-hating, upset, closeted homos. And I promise you, it will not be fun for you to be locked in a room or locked in a car with this guy, this deeply conflicted, messy celibacy case, after he ejaculates. It won't be worth it. You will regret it as I regretted it. At a certain point, I swore off those deeply messy, closeted Catholic boys. Learn from the errors of, <laughs> learn from my mistakes and swear off this dude now. All right, before we get to your response calls, let's read some of your tweets. Alex the Great tweets, a tip for surviving family Christmas. Listen to the Savage Lovecast in your AirPods while the family watches Fantasia on television. Excellent pairing, especially if Dan is talking about water sports. Terminal Fatigue tweets at Fake Dan Savage insists that at some point in a relationship, people just start farting in front of each other. I can't be the only one for whom that's never been the case and is happy to keep it that way. Hashtag Savage Lovecast. And finally, a slut called Nada tweets, Dear at Fake Dan Savage, have you ever heard of a reverse sugar daddy, i.e. an older man who gets paid for companionship by a younger woman? The world being wide and wild, I'm sure it happens, but I've never seen it. Hashtag Savage Lovecast. I'm not so sure it happens, and I've never seen it. But if somebody out there knows of someone or is someone who's ever been in a reverse sugar daddy arrangement, please give us a buzz. We'd love to hear from you. All right, if you want me to possibly read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to use the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And now your response calls. Hi, okay, I'm calling in response to the guy who called about his, I'm sorry, the person he's dating and her insecurities about women they see on TV or models or actresses or whatever. Um, I had such a visceral reaction to this call and I just feel like, his, his idea that he needs to talk to her about how it's such a turnoff for him to be so insecure and blah, blah, blah. He has no idea what it's like to be a woman in uh, our society, in our world. And maybe instead of having these conversations with her about how she should change her behavior because it's turning him off, maybe he could have a conversation with her about the source of these issues. Where does it come from? Why does she feel this way? It just doesn't feel very supportive or understanding, and it feels very self-centered for that to be his reaction. And also, for him to claim that it's very high school for her to need the title of boyfriend-girlfriend, it seems completely immature for him to deny her that title. Hi, I actually have a comment about episode 686 and the guy who's bummed out that his girlfriend of four years won't have sex with him anymore. I'm wondering if anyone's considered the possibility that he's not good at it, not satisfying her, so she doesn't want it. 
or maybe the way he talked cheats her and the relationship makes her feel like she doesn't want it. I guess it's on her to speak up too, but he's just assuming his needs aren't getting met. Maybe he's not meeting her and then she just doesn't want to do it with him anymore. Hey, Dan and the tech savvy at risk youth. Um, this is a comment for the caller in episode 686, um, the fiance who was, playing tug of war with a stepchild. And I just wanted to say as a child of divorce and a mother of my own child and the stepmother of four girls, um, I think Dan's advice was spot on. I know this is your wedding, but everything in your call was totally about you and not about this child. And just a wake up reminder that adults need sometimes you're an adult. And this is a child you're talking about, not a trophy, not something to fight over and someone who you want presumably in your life for a long time so you need to make it about them and it's a really hard thing as a step parent but it happens all the time so if you can't do it now you might want to reconsider being in this role because holidays and birthdays and graduations and all sorts of celebrations in your life that you think are about you need to have that child put first so I don't know. I guess my advice is if you can't take a moment and step back and realize what's best for the kid in this situation, which is not to be pushed and pulled all over the place, it's to be considered. And perhaps this child isn't comfortable spending a week with your soon-to-be husband and you. And the mother and the grandmother actually made a thoughtful decision on behalf of the child advocating for a child who can't do it for themselves to limit that time and to build the relationship slowly. So uh, get out of your own way and think about the kid first. I, I get it. It's your wedding, but you're marrying into a family where there's a child and um, you got to put that kid first. And we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, you can give us a buzz at 206-302-2064. Or better yet, you can use the Voice Memo app on your phone and email us your question at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You like it when I pop off about politics on this sex and relationship advice podcast? You want to be listening to Blabbermouth, The Strangers Week in Review news and politics podcast where I often pop off about politics hosted by Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Eli Sanders every Wednesday. It's Christmas Eve but there's someone on your list who is a Savage Lovecast listeners and you didn't manage to find the perfect something for them. I have that perfect something for them. You can give them the gift of the Savage Lovecast Go to savagelovecast.com, click on gift. The notice of the gift arrives as soon as you purchase it. So if you want them to get it on Christmas morning, seventh or eighth day of Hanukkah, you're going to want to wait till Christmas morning or the seventh or eighth day of Hanukkah. But you can gift the Magnum edition of the Savage Lovecast, which is twice as long. It has no ads at savagelovecast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.